I'm so glad to see you today, all of those online as well. So glad that we're able to share this time together on a beautiful summer morning. How about that? Beautiful. Uh, we, of course, are in our study uh, of the summer in the book of Hebrews. Last week, if you weren't here, Pastor Clark did the most incredible job talking about uh, one of the subjects in the book of Hebrews. We've been talking about how Jesus is better. He's better than everything, but better than all kinds of religious things, better than the Old Testament, better than so many things. And last week, he talked to us about how there's a better access to God now because of Jesus, which was God's last message to mankind, Jesus Christ, who is the door. He said, the door's open to his presence. It was incredible. And I encourage you to listen to, to all of these parts of the series. It's been a real excellent series, in my opinion, the book of Hebrews, one of my favorites. Well, we're at the end of the book of Hebrews now. We just have one more week. Next week is the last week. And when we get to the end of the book, the writer of Hebrews, whoever that was, sort of circles around to the very reason he started the book in the first place. You see, he was trying to let Christians know that we don't need to abandon our faith and let something take the place of Jesus, who is so much better. He, he realized that in the Roman Empire of that time, there were so many forces drawing people away from God. Uh, there, there was political intrigue. There were assassinations of emperors and different generals taken over, and there was a revolution beginning in Palestine, and there was all kinds of moral decay in the Roman Empire, every kind of sexual immorality all around them, and there was a, just a lot of different religions telling this is the way, this is the way, this is the best hope. And, and it was very, very similar to the world we live in right now. In fact, there was even during this time was when Mount Vesuvius went off and buried Pompeii and scared the whole Roman Empire. They thought the whole world was ending. It was a very complicated time. And so when he wrote this book to Christians, he was saying, guys, don't abandon your faith. This is when your faith is the most valuable of all. So that's really where we, where we are today. We're in chapter 11 of Hebrews, and that's called the faith chapter. Some of you know it as the faith chapter. It's where the hall of faith list is. It's, a, it's an incredible chapter. Now let's talk about faith for just a minute. Jesus said, we really only need a teensy-weensy bit of it. But most of us feel like we don't have enough of it yet. Um, sometimes faith defies logic, but faith is not blind either. Intellectuals sometimes question faith, and the simple just cling to faith. It sees the invisible, it believes the unbelievable, and it even receives the impossible. That's true about faith. Faith can grow. It can mature. It can even move mountains. But it can also shrink. It can be lost. And some people even throw it away. It actually is a gift. But it's also a choice. It is the beginning of our walk with God. And it's the end of our walk with God. It's this incredible thing we call faith. Now, fortunately for us, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, he defines faith. Oh, I love this. He defines it, first thing. So let's look at that, okay? Hebrews 11, 1. 
Now, faith is the confidence in which we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. I think the King James Version uses substance and evidence for those words, but those, those are two important words. We see these words confidence and assurance. Those words are, were chosen for a reason. They really do shed a lot of light on what faith really is. That word confidence, it's the Greek word hupostasis. Hupo means underneath, and stasis means a firm stand, standing firmly. So what he's saying is, is faith is this firm foundation with a God that doesn't change, that stands there holding that firm foundation. That's, that's called confidence. The other word he used was the word assurance. Assurance. That's the Greek word, inglos, and it means this. It's really cool. It's, a, it's actually a legal document. It's a document that if you bought some land over here, you've never been to that land, you've never seen it, but you bought it, and they give you a, a document, an inglos, that tells you, tells everybody, this is your land, even though you hadn't seen it yet, even though you haven't even fulfilled it yet, it's yours ahead of time. And he said, that's, exact, that's the evidence that's the assurance that God has things for us that we don't even know yet. But we have this confidence that the God that we serve knows how to get it to us. That's, he says, is what faith is. It's not just some hope. It's not like we go to a wishing well and say, boy, I hope this happens and flip a coin into it. That's not what faith is. Faith is something we know that we know that we know deep inside, even if we haven't seen it yet. Now, after the writer uh, defines faith for us and tells us it's sort of seeing things from God's perspective in front of our own, he, he then spends the rest of the chapter with this, uh, this long list of characters in the Old Testament and in, in, in Christian history that lived what faith is, that confident assurance. And he, he, he gives a list and he names a lot of different people. Uh, so I, I have to say, and he gives us a great example of it, but I'm wondering if I'm the example. I'm wondering if I have any of that in me. How do I know that I'm walking in faith? How do I know that I've got the real biblical kind of faith inside of me? I have to look at myself and wonder, is that the kind of faith that I have? You know, sometimes when we go through, when we go through hard times or or difficult times, somebody may say, well, you just need to have more faith. You just need to believe harder. And we look at ourselves and we go, good grief, all I see is my lack of faith. <laughs> and it's sort of discouraging sometimes to us. And we, we look and go, wow, I hear these stories about other people, but that's not happening with me. And then, then we read a scripture where Jesus is talking to his disciples. Now, these are the guys that follow him and they're like, doing his stuff. And they're trying to cast a demon out of a little kid and the demon's not leaving and they can't get the demon cast out. And Jesus says this to them. Oh, you of little faith, how long do I have to be here with you? And I'm going, hey, take it easy on them. And then he turns around and talks to a Roman centurion next. And Jesus says to the Roman centurion, who has no faith background at all, and the Roman centurion just comes to Jesus and says, hey, my daughter's sick, can you help my daughter? And Jesus said, wow, I haven't seen this kind of faith in all of Israel. And we're going, 
which, which one is it? We think, I, 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 I really can't grasp what's, what's, what's happening here. It's like, we, it's like Jesus, it's like God has a, um, it's like an oil dipstick. You know, he, he, he pulls it out and checks the level. What's your faith level, buddy, you know? Do you have enough oil faith in that engine of your, of your life there? It's like we think God may be going around checking it all the time, checking the levels. You need more, you need less, whatever. Now, it is true that God measures our faith. He, he has the right to do that. We don't have the right to measure folks' faith, okay? But I will tell you this. We don't measure it the same way God does. God has a different system of measuring faith than we do. When we measure faith, when I tend to measure faith in myself or other people, it's based on my feelings. It's based on what I feel. It's based on the five senses, what I see, what I hear, what I perceive. It's based on me. It's based on how I see things. You know, we, when we, um, faith is invisible, so we, uh, we feel it. Yeah, have you ever heard somebody say, or maybe you've said it before, man, I just, I feel my faith rising. Or, man, guys, I'm not praying today. I don't have any faith at all today. It's, what do we base that on? The dipstick? Uh, you know, what do, we faith, uh, what do we base that on? What do I do? Well, here's what we usually try to do. Bear with me. We usually try to gin it up, <laughs> you know? We try to just increase it. We like overdose on going to conference to conference to try to find the right teacher to teach the right way, the how-to and how to do this. And, and we, we find the right scriptures and we, we have these certain scriptures that we think, hey, look, we said this, this, this. So we'll take it to God and, and say, God, got you now. You said this. Now you got to do this for me now, now, now. And we try to, try to, uh, you know, try to work it out to where God feels really bad because he hadn't done what we've asked him to. We try to work our way through those kind of things. Somehow hoping to prove something. Sometimes we even wail and cry and we just beg and we plead and we, we, sometimes people try to do weird things to show God they're really serious about it. And that sounds more like the prophets of Baal on top of Mount Carmel than it does the New Testament. That's not it. Or if we could just get the right praise and worship songs, just get the right praise and worship songs and then sort of mesmerize ourselves into this deep feeling of faith and we just work our way into it and we, and, and we, we have to make sure that, that we use the right words, the exact words without wavering, then maybe God will notice us and he'll surely come through if we can work ourselves into that state. Folks, that is not it. Faith is not a feeling. Faith can't be judged by our senses. No, not at all. Faith is not a feeling. It's a journey. It's a walk with Christ in relationship of trust. That's what it is. It's not something you can gin up. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Faith and sight are two different things. Sight is one of our senses. Faith is something deeper than that, bigger than that, more than that. The Old Testament saints that he mentions in Hebrews 11, if you'll read Hebrews 11, it's just a real, it's really neat. He mentions a lot of Old Testament heroes and characters. I'm just gonna tell you, the folks he mentions in there, they're not exactly the superstars of godliness. I, I, listen, if you read the heroes of faith, listen, it's people like Abraham, he had some problems. 
Jacob the deceiver? How about Rahab the harlot? How about David the adulterer? And he, you know, he names all kind of all kind of folks that weren't exactly perfect. They didn't say the perfect prayers exactly the perfect way. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't have it all together all the time. And yet they made it into the hall of faith. You know why? Because it wasn't that they had attained something. They were on a journey. They were on a walk. They were walking with God and learning about faith. They, they were on a tumultuous journey, back and forth sometimes. But God was teaching them. And the reason they're in the hall of faith is they finally got it right. They finally got it right when they learned to walk with God and trust him. Folks, that's where we are. That's where we are today. Exactly where we are. It was not through doing it all right, it was through their relationship with God and trusting him. Faith is a journey learning how to trust God. Did you know that the word in the Bible, the biblical words, Hebrew and Greek words for faith, trust, believe, and belief are all the same word. Verbs and nouns, it's all the same. You learn it different ways. It's the same word, and that's what God's trying to get us to do. Faith is action. It's not a theology. It's an action. Faith is, is, is a lot. God wants us to express and exercise faith whenever that time is needed. And God knows what that time is needed. We don't. We don't plan those times. God does. Faith is exercised when we need to. You don't earn it by how holy you are. And you don't learn it by how brilliant you are. You don't have to pray yourself into a tizzy. You don't have to fast until your skin and bones. That's not what it's about. You don't have to insulate yourself and get to where all, you rebuke all the doubters around you and then you get in this really nice place where you don't have any negative things and that gives you faith. That's not true. You can't do that. We don't live in an echo chamber. Come on. We just allow as we walk with God and learn from God, naturally when you need it, God allows that faith to be used in your life. And the more you exercise it, the more you learn about it. That's it. You don't learn about it at a conference. You learn about it by walking with God. It's because you're in a journey with God. You already have the faith in you. He just wants to show you how it's supposed to be released and used in your life. You know, um, Hebrews 11 mentions, uh, mentions a guy that said, shut the mouths of lions. It also mentions those who quench the flames of fire. He's obviously talking about Daniel in the lion's den and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Now, we tend to freak out about faith. We tend to freak, I don't know if I got enough or not, or somebody pray for me that's got a lot of faith. You know, we tend to freak out. Let me tell you, if there was anybody need to freak out, it was those three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they stood before a fiery furnace, he did seven times more than normal. They, they, they were there in front of the fiery furnace about to go in. And by the way, they weren't phased. They weren't even nervous. What? They were not phased. The Bible says they weren't. You know why? Because their faith had nothing to do with the outcome. The, their faith was just, God, I'm here and I'm going to be loyal to you. I trust you. And this is what they said. This is what the scripture says. They said, our God is able to deliver us 
That's good. That's faith. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down and worship a man who thinks he's a God. <laughs> That's faith. That is faith right there. That's faith. You see, I, the outcome is not the thing we judge faith by. They were believing for a miracle, all right. Brother, it was going to be a miracle either way. It was going to be a miracle if they went in the, in the fiery furnace and came out okay. That was going to be an incredible miracle. But you know what else would be a miracle? If they stood before a fiery furnace and had to walk in there without renouncing their faith. That was also a giant miracle. Either way, it's going to be a big miracle. I guarantee you that. The Bible says that when they, when they got ready to go into the fiery furnace, the two soldiers that were throwing them in, as they were throwing them in, died from the heat. And, and what did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do? They just walked on in praising God, the Bible says. And they got in there praising the Lord. And when they got in there, they found out God was already in there with them. God was in there with them. In fact, the king, who thought he was a god, was watching from a distance, and he said, hey, I see four men in there, and one of them looks like the son of a god. Well, he was. Jesus was in there with them. And when they left, man, they weren't burned. They weren't burned, and they didn't smell like smoke. They came out of there. Now, you say, well, what if, what if they had died for their faith? Guess what? They wouldn't have been burned, and they wouldn't smell like smoke. They would have won either way. It's called a miracle. It's called a miracle. Now that was assurance and confidence in God. That's what it was. So here's the giant question of the day. How much faith do I need? Well, I can't give you an amount in human measurements, okay? Just can't do it. The dipstick thing, don't worry about the dipstick. But I think this chapter gives us a picture of what God's really looking for. That's, that's really all I want you to see today is the picture of what God's looking for. Now, what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna share with you a statement, and I'm gonna give it to you in three parts. It's like a sentence that's in three parts, okay? So pardon the grammar when you see it. And I believe it might help you understand what, what God is trying to get us to see. Okay, you ready? Here's the first one. When you pray, Notice the word when. That is assuming something. That's assuming you're going to be praying. You, you know, faith, faith requires prayer in your life, okay? You're going to be praying. Now, who are you praying to? When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, remember he gave them a model prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer. He gave them a model prayer, and it starts like this. Our Father who art in heaven. We all know that. So he is praying to a God that's really there. He's not saying, oh man, I just really hope something good happens. I'm gonna cross my fingers and flip the coin into the, into the wishing well. No, he's communicating with God. He's talking to God, our Father who art in heaven. Hebrews eleven six 6 helps us understand this. Look at verse six. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him, like in prayer, must believe that he exists, duh, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. There are two things required when you go to God in prayer, in faith. Here they are. 
One is that you believe in God, that he is God. And number two, that you believe he cares enough to do something about what you've prayed about. You believe in one that can handle it and you believe he really cares about you. You have just pleased God with doing that. I promise you, that's the truth. That's how God works. It's called childlike faith. That's called childlike. Childlike faith is when we trust the Father, our Father who art in heaven. We trust him that he's gonna do the best thing for us. And we know that he's gonna listen just like your earthly father's gonna listen to you, just like your earthly father's gonna take care of you. You don't know the future. You don't know what your father knows. You don't see things and know things that he knows. You just trust him. You don't have to see it all. You just trust the father. That's called childlike faith. Even, well, if I don't believe that the one I'm talking to is God and that he loves me and can do something, my prayers are useless. They're nothing more than flipping a coin in a wishing well. But if I believe there's a God in heaven who's, who sees me and loves me and knows me, then I can be confident that my prayers are gonna be heard. If I just have an inkling of an idea in my mind, that God is not going to ignore me, then I have pleased God at that moment. God just wants you to know that you love him, believe him, and you trust him. That's where it starts. That's where this journey of st uh, starts. Now, why is that true? All right, here we go. I'm gonna give you the other part. Uh, when you pray, in the next one, and because you prayed. When you pray, and because you go through with it and you take it to God and you pray, because you had even a mustard seed of faith to eke out a little prayer before the Lord and to try to put something in his hand, your Father in heaven. Look what Jesus said about it. Look at this. Jesus said, because you have so little faith, that's us, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, move from here to there and it'll move. Nothing will be impossible for you. What? For just a little bit of faith? Hey, do you remember the story in the Bible about the woman who was bleeding? She had the issue of blood and she had been to doctors for 12 years. 12 years they had bankrupted her. She had got no help. She had no hope. She had nothing she could do. And the Bible says she heard about Jesus. She didn't meet him. She didn't know him. She hadn't read about him. She heard about him. And she, he said, the scripture says, she thought, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, he can heal me. If I could just touch that. Now, folks, that's a little bit of, little bit of faith. Look at what the scripture says. Just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She had said to herself, if only I touch his cloak, I'll be healed. Jesus turned to her and said, take heart, daughter, I like that. That's a father talking to his daughter. Look at that. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. Did you hear that? Your faith has healed you. And that woman was healed at that moment. Her faith healed her? It was just a tiny bit. She didn't go to any conference. She did not have a how-to thing. She did not have praise and worship music playing. She didn't get insulated. She, had, she just said, if I touch his cloak, I know he, I know he can do it. Wow, that was amazing. All she had was the hope of touching him. 
And that hope is enough to please the Father. Okay, when you pray, because you pray, here's number, the last of it, he meets you the rest of the way. When you pray, because you pray, he'll meet you the rest of the way. He always puts forth the big effort. He just waits for us to take the first step. He just waits for us to take the first step, which is usually the hardest step to take. Faith requires a first step. Hey, remember that story in the Bible when the disciples are all in a boat and they're out on the water of the Sea of Galilee, it's at night and the, the waves and storms sort of come in and they look out there and they see somebody walking on water and they think it might be Jesus and they don't know, some of them thought it was a ghost and one of them screams out, Jesus, it's Peter. He goes, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to step out and come join you. Jesus goes, come on, Peter, step out of the boat, join me. Peter, man, he took a step. He got out of that boat and he was walking on water. I don't know if you know about water, but science would tell you, I'm sorry, science says water don't hold you up like that. Now around here we have hard water, but it ain't that hard. I'm telling you, he was walking on water. And the Bible says he was walking on water. And then he looked around and started trusting the science, trusting his senses and says, water can't hold me up. And he started sinking. And what did, now listen, a lot of people criticize Peter for losing his faith right there. But let me ask you what, tell me one other disciple that had the guts to step out of the water, in the water. Peter was way ahead of them already. Here's the best part of the story. Not that Peter had the faith to walk on water. Here's the best part of the story. When he was out there in his weakness and even when he was struggling, holding on to faith, Jesus met him out there and saved him. He took the first step and he thought, I don't know if I can take the second one or not. He starts falling and Jesus reached over there and held him up, saved him. That's what he'll do for us. Look, it's not, oh, I want to have enough faith to where everything I pray happens. Hello, probably, probably ain't going to be like that. I want to have, have enough faith to where whenever I need to exercise faith, God will give me what I need. And if I feel like I don't have it, he'll come and say, I'll give you the rest of it. I promise you, that's true. I firmly believe, I firmly believe that if we take the first step of faith, if we take a first step, even a half a baby step, that God will take another zillion steps to come and meet you at that half a baby step. He's just waiting for us to show a mustard seed step. That's what he says. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. You know you'll have enough faith when you pray because you prayed and he meets you the rest of the way. And I think that's true. You know, in 1983, Peggy and I uh, moved to Springfield, Missouri uh, I was going to finish my schooling in seminary, and, and while we were there, we were fortunate enough to, to get to pastor a small church. Let, let me say that again, a small, struggling church on the wrong side of town <laughs> in a dangerous area. Uh, when, when I went there, that they knew they had to hire sort of a part-time person, so they looked for a student, and I went there, and we tried out, and they, they hired us. There were like 40 people out there in the congregation. 
And the next week, my first Sunday, there were 12. 12! And I found out later, the ones who came just were curious about who the next preacher was going to be, then they left. It was, it was very difficult. It was, it was great for us. We had to learn stuff. It was difficult, man. We, we, we did everything. Peggy, Peggy and I cleaned the church. She mainly cleaned the church, and she, took, she played the piano. She took care of the nursery and, and, and organized the Sunday school for the kids, all that stuff. I taught Sunday school, preached, led worship.
in town if any of you want to come. And I saw you, and God told me to tell you something. I said, what? And he said, he's shaking. He said, I, I don't know why, but I think you're thinking about leaving. You don't need to leave. It's not time to leave. And so I am thinking, is he the thief? <laughs> and then he said, does that make sense to you? And I said, yeah. And he goes, and I got one more thing. God said to tell you that what you need the most, he'll give you. And I thought, now that's big. And he said, what do you need? And, you know, it's a little church. We're struggling. I thought, I, oh, what, what do you think I was going to say? Yeah, money. But I didn't. I said, we need a praise and worship leader big time. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I know. I know the perfect person for it. I go, I go to school with this guy. He's awesome. He's one of the best. Oh, he's the best. And I'm thinking, really? He goes, yeah, he, he leads the choir down at Calvary Temple. Calvary Temple's like the large church in town. Oh, yeah, he's going to lead Calvary Temple to come 12 people. He goes, I'll give him your number. I said, okay. So I left, the, left and went home and told Peggy, we're just sitting there going, is that God or is it a decoy? You know. In a little while, the phone rings. Hi. Hey, is this Brother Sims? Yes. Well, look, uh, I, I don't know you, and this guy that I don't know very well named Arden told me to call you, said you needed help. I said, yeah. And he said, well, what, what is it? And I told him, he says, well, can I come meet you? I said, sure. And he drove to my house. I, I met him. His name was Ben Stone. <laughs> and and uh, he's, he's a student there. He's a senior in school there. And he said, yeah, I think I feel led to come here. And I want you to know he joined. He, he actually lived with me and Peggy there at the house. He joined with us. And about a year later, man, we had at Easter, we had over 100 people in church that Sunday. And it was God, God put the church back on on good footing, and, and then about a year, I, then I graduated, and he graduated, he moved off, I graduated, we came back to Kingwood, thanks to Pastor Ron inviting us back, we came back to Kingwood, and about a year later, Ben came to Kingwood, and was here for many years, raised his kids, he's got one that's been on our deacon board here at, at Kingwood, and, and it, think about it, that one step by Arden, the crazy guy, I thought, he made, took one step of faith like Peter, and look what it did. It affected my life, that church, this church, Morgan Stone, everybody. All of you got blessed, all because this one guy took one step of faith. You know, it doesn't take much faith to move God's heart. I promise you, he just, he He's so crazy in love with us that he just wants us to take a moment to look up there and get to know him and to just call on his name and to start exercising faith even this much. But there's one last thing before I close this faith, step, faith chapter. There's one last thing. What about those times where the outcome of your faith is not what you expected or prayed for? What about that? You're all listening because we've all been there. What about when my faith lets me down? 
We've all heard about the concept of a time machine, right? You know what I mean, time travel. When I was a kid, there was a show called The Time Tunnel. It was great. I used to watch it all the time. And then, of course, we all know, you know, we've all watched stuff like Back to the Future, all that stuff, you know. It's like people are, they love time travel because you can go into time, either future or past, and you can tweak something that will affect you now. Well, folks, we can't do that. That's one thing we can't do. The reason people are so interested in time travel is because we can't do anything about time. Time just keeps on, and it just keep, everything just slips out of our hand, and we can't control it because we don't know the future. We don't know, and that's, that's why that's some a big deal. But God speaks to that in this, in this chapter. And I want to show you this. What if the outcome is not what I hoped for? Hebrews 11, it closes by just telling this incredible stories of people that things that were happening to early Christians and people, things that were happening uh, to Old Testament and New Testament saints. I mean, I'm just going to read this part to you. It won't be something you can see yet, but by faith, people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God promised them. Shut the mouths of lions, quench the flames of fire, escape death by the edge of the sword. Their weaknesses turned to strength. They became strong in battle. They put whole armies to flight. They received their loved ones back again from death. Boy, that's amazing, isn't it? Faith did all that. But what I want to tell you is that last sentence I read, women received their loved ones back again from death, that's only half the sentence. I want to read to you the other half. In fact, I want you to see it. But others, the sentence continues, were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, their backs were cut open with whips, others were chained in prisons, some died by stoning, some were sawed in half, others were killed with a sword, some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute, oppressed, and mistreated, they are too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. Look at this. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised in this life. Notice who else was in the hall of faith. The people who sort of, we would look at it and say, they got let down by their faith. Are you kidding are you kidding? The Bible says they're too good for this world. They got more faith than all the rest of them. Part of faith is trusting God with the future. Remember, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Our God is able to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we're not bowing down to another God. Faith is trusting God with a future that you can't see. Trust is the action word for faith. It means the same thing. Even when we don't see the answer in our time frame doesn't mean the answer's not coming. It's true. Listen to me. In heaven, listen, in heaven, no one is mad at God for not coming through on their timetable. Did you hear that? In heaven, nobody's mad at God for not coming through on their own timetable. God has something better in heaven and no one there's complaining. Complaining is what we do on earth. They don't complain in heaven, and it'd be a good idea if we sort of got a heavenly realm idea and quit complaining and just started trusting. That's the truth. Oswald Chambers, some of you have heard the book 
my utmost for his highest. Oswald Chambers wrote this, and this sums it up. Faith is deliberate confidence in the character of God, look at this, whose ways you may not understand at the time. Are you on a journey of faith? Or is faith just this distant star that you're reaching for, you just can't quite grasp it and you're, you're wanting a how-to book on how to get there? Or is faith the journey you're on? Because I promise you, when you pray, because you prayed, God will meet you in the middle of your journey of faith, wherever you are. He'll meet you there. And he'll teach you things about faith that go beyond anything that you've ever seen. I'm going to ask you all to stand, if you will. Uh, we're, going to sing, we're going to sing a song. And it's about the foundation that we have. Faith is part of this foundation. And then at the end, I'm just going to go on and tell you, at the end of this song... Our altar team's gonna come at the end and they're gonna stand here and I wanna ask you to let your step of faith today be stepping out of that aisle and going to someone down here and saying, I'm ready for the journey. I'm tired of jumping through faith hoops. I don't wanna jump through any more faith hoops. I wanna be on the journey of faith where I learn something new every day. And in my weakness, God meets me there.